Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. I'm joined here today with Nick Reber and Kareem Zaki, Nick of Oscar, Kareem of Thrive. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's get into it. What got you guys so excited in healthcare in the first place? I mean, Nick, you spent you know a decade at, at Bridgewater. Why, why make the transition? I guess the highest the uh, when I was sort of deciding to leave the previous line of work related to systematic and algorithmic trading, I, I sort of just went down the list of the big problems that seemed to be out in the world and started looking, just reading about all of them. And for whatever reason, got very excited and fired up about healthcare. And, and in particular, it seemed like the basic problem was that we were spending, you know, one fifth of every one of every $5 in the country goes to healthcare, which is about double what anybody else pays. And more or less the reason it seemed to me that that was the case was that unlike every other place in the world or in every market that we have at the time of transaction in the healthcare world, the consumer has no information and no incentive to shop for a great quality at a low cost. And in the healthcare world, you go somewhere, you get hurt, you have insurance, so you don't really know how much you're supposed to pay. Usually you don't pay that much, but sometimes you pay a lot. And then the only person that gives you the information on what you need is the doctor who has every incentive to keep the price up um, rather than do more treatments and keep you in the hospital rather than to keep you healthy. And um, so it seemed to me the fundamental problem was sort of twofold. One was in, uh, consumer information and data. And then the other was incentives. And those were, as I just got into it, I got fascinated by that puzzle. And it seemed like two things that were actually somewhat similar to my previous world and stuff I had done before related to data systems at, at scale, and then also incentives and markets and that sort of thing. So it seemed like a big problem when I just got more and more excited about the more I got into it, and um, it sort of took off from there. And why was insurance the place to to place effects as opposed to any of the other areas in the healthcare system? Um, well, it's sort of a, a somewhat ironic in the country. I think most people trust their doctor and hate their insurance company and view their doctor as the person who's there to keep them healthy and and their insurance company is the one that's there to antagonize them and deny care and and uh, that sort of thing. And when you actually look at the economic incentives and the economic model, I think it's pretty opposite that where where doctors and, I'll, and I'm not saying this any, like I, a lot of my best friends are doctors and and mean incredibly well, but they get paid more just factually the more the more surgeries they do and thus they get paid more the more people, spend their lives in the hospital. And that's true of not every single doctor and every single financial model, but a lot of the way this country works. And then conversely, the insurance company is actually the one entity that gets paid more if people stay healthier. And so that was always fascinating for me. And then I think a lot of the other... So that's why I got passionate about insurance. And then I think a lot of the other sort of data and service providers in the healthcare world sort of don't get paid much either way, um, you know, or, or more platform plays. And thus don't necessarily have an incentive to solve the problem one way or the other. So that's why I got very excited about insurance and, and got you know jazzed about what, what we're building up over at Oscar. Awesome. Kareem, Kareem, let's transition to you. Why don't you talk a little bit about your interest in healthcare in terms of where you think it's most broken or, or most needs help and you think entrepreneurship and, and tech startups can, can help it? 
Yeah, I think building on some of the things that Nick spoke about, you know, healthcare in the U.S. is probably is the fifth of our economy at this point and, and hasn't been efficient, I, I think, for a host of reasons. I think if we think about it on a macro level, I think there's three main things. The first is incentives, as Nick touched on. From a provider standpoint, we do live, still live in a fee-for-service world where doctors are paid more for the intensity of care than the quality of care. I think there's a host of things that contribute to that. One is our inability to kind of be able to ring fence around certain conditions of care. And I think we're getting better about that over time, but to just our payment structures and incentives. I think as we think about the insurance company, as Nick kind of outlined, I think there's a potential for insurance companies to be the best representatives and the best stewards for patients and have the right incentives to lower the cost of care. I think at the end of the day, though, we do have a lot of existing insurance companies today, maybe because of lack of competition, maybe because of lack of innovation, who sit in a world who very much think of themselves as a fixed margin business. And so if I have a fixed margin of of 15% and I can't really push that one way or another, and, and that fixed margin exists that way for a lot of regulatory reasons, then the way to grow my earnings is is for healthcare costs to grow at, at five, six percent. And I think we mistake a lot of times health insurance companies for wanting to control costs over because they want to control costs in the short term. I think once you work with an employer and you tell them that healthcare costs are going to go up five, six percent in one year, you can't really miss that target because you've already locked it in. But I think over the arc of time, you have less of the incentive and a faster growing healthcare system and, and higher costs kind of allows for a larger market for insurance companies to operate in. I think the second thing that's contributed to the situation that we're in uh, in the U.S. from a healthcare standpoint is it's a transparent, it's not a transparent and it's a complicated market. One, a lot of times individuals and consumers aren't the ones who are picking their health insurance plans. It's done through the employer. It adds another middleman, another layer in the whole process that already kind of insurance sometimes distorts the incentives and decisions. I think the second thing is, you know, data is very siloed in this whole experience, and it's hard to kind of make decisions around that cost, obviously, being a really big one where people don't have estimates before they kind of can make their decisions around care. And and another thing, too, is we really need to educate consumers around this. It's different than potentially most goods that someone purchases where they have they understand their preferences and what they want to purchase. A lot of times people don't know actually what they need in healthcare. And so they're very dependent on their doctors, on their insurance systems where, where the incentives aren't fully aligned. And I think the last thing that really amplifies the first two points is healthcare always isn't, isn't always the most competitive market in general. I think if we just had the first two problems, we'd end up with an okay market, but not kind of the market we are today where healthcare is the fifth of the economy and continues to grow at at five, six percent where the consumer doesn't have a great experience. But the fact that a lot of times the options for insurance plans are limited and a lot of times provider choices are limited where there's only a few major providers in the existing network have taken these things where incentives aren't fully aligned and the system isn't really transparent and kind of amplified that. And so I think a lot of the opportunities where we're excited to kind of work with the ecosystem, especially from a startup phase and and creating new companies, is to introduce new options and choices for consumers, which I think will help kind of push the healthcare system along and and create to be more accountable and more efficient over time. I'm curious to hear more about your your investment thesis in healthcare, Kareem. There's a tension between some people when they start to build companies as to whether they should build within the existing you know, healthcare infrastructure or they should build, you know, full stack solutions outside of the, the, the system. 
How do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's an important point. And I think it really depends on who your customer is in the ecosystem. I think for the most part, we're big believers in the idea that you do need to build a full stack experience in healthcare, at least through this current wave where we are today. And I think it's because a lot of times the major incumbents you would look to work with aren't necessarily giving you credit for the technology and the ROI that's going to be created for it. I think it maybe comes back to that competitive point. You know, if providers don't feel a lot of competition, if insurance companies don't feel a lot of competition, they don't have that existential threat or that need to feel like they have to innovate today, otherwise they're going to be gone tomorrow. And I think that leads to a lot of the long sales cycles that we hear about in healthcare and maybe the inability to get distribution in a way when a lot of times we see companies have built great products that drive outcomes that, you know, that improve outcomes and drive costs down, but aren't really seeing rapid adoption. I think it, it, it kind of feeds into that dynamic. And so where we've approached the market and have spent a lot of time thinking about is, you know, were opportunities for us to build uh, full stack models that fit within the incentives and the structure of the healthcare system, but allow us and it allow us to build technology that the that we get to kind of take that ROI and either win more share because we're more efficient, you know, we can deliver at a different cost and we're much more efficient or be a much more profitable system over time. And I think Oscar is obviously a great example of that with a health insurance company. We've done it in the home care market. We've done it in the clinical trial space. We've done it with some specialty care clinics as well. Um, we've done it in the, in the billing category. And it's, it really comes down to the fact that healthcare is a little different than most markets where I think the the, there are very few early adopters in the category to kind of get that initial starting point. And so a lot of times you have to kind of uh, eat your own cooking and, and build a full stack model that allows you to, to fully capture the, the benefit that you believe that technology and a better consumer experience can deliver to the market. And you mentioned you've made a few of these bets, maybe, maybe five or six. Uh, has there been a time where you've just sort of picked the, the wrong market? Like, oh, this type of solution just won't work in this market and, and we learned why? Or is it always sort of a, you know, was it each one that it was, it was the right bet, just wrong execution if, if it hasn't yet worked out to the extent that you wanted it to work out? Like, I, I guess, how, how are the markets yeah. different? Yeah, I, I think it's it's early in the life cycle for a lot of these companies, so we haven't seen the, the stories fully play out. But I think the thing that makes us really think about the market and just say, why doesn't every full stack experience in healthcare work is to think about what are the existing incentives that are in the ecosystem today? And is there an ability to kind of launch and scale a company within that versus having to try to create a, a totally new behavior? I think it's challenging to create a totally new behavior in healthcare because consumers are at the point right now where they're not necessarily trained or they haven't been investing a lot of money and kind of spending out of pocket on new healthcare experiences. And that inefficiency makes it a little more challenging to just think about, hey, what's a great product that's going to deliver value? Let me be full stack. If consumers still view their health insurance company as the main payer and purchaser of their health care, then you need to build products that work with how insurance companies think and, and reimbursement codes and that whole model. If you're going to sell a product that eventually is going to be delivered to a consumer, but it's going to be managed through the provider uh, lens and they're going to be your ultimate customer who's going to pay you at the end of the day, you really need to understand their incentives and uh, what they're optimizing for and what the, and, and how they think about their own profitability and their revenue and their goals and ambitions as a hospital. Same thing if you're thinking about a self-insured employer. And so where I think some of these full stack models that we invest in that'll work or not work or, or other people who are building different models is really going to rely on the fact of 
yes, let's build something innovative in healthcare, but how do we align it within the system that exists today so that we can take advantage of the existing incentives and infrastructure versus trying to build something completely new that will likely require the consumer to adopt it first before one of the existing players. And it might just not be an area where consumers have historically spent money, given how insurance is set up. And if that's the case, there's just a lot of things to be done there around training the consumer to spend more out of pocket and kind of what that ROI will be long term, um, which can be especially challenging if they've already committed a lot of resources to a health insurance plan, either through their employer or directly through the ACA. Yeah, I think to jump in what Kareem's saying, I think a lot of that resonates. I think what I've what I've talked heard some folks thinking about things in the healthcare space not fully appreciating is that there's a few rules of the road that probably aren't going to change super fast over the next many years. The first being that people tend to pay for their care by insurance, either because the government pays it for them or because they get it from their employers. And their employers, in turn, choose to pay for that because it's tax advantage to pay for for health benefits via insurance rather than to just pay your people money and then get taxed and they then they pay for it. So I think the whole infrastructure around health insurance is probably not going anywhere. And that's when you try to create models that really live outside that, whether that's you know a wellness program that people pay out of pocket. You have a really a much bigger hurdle in that world than you do in a normal, you know, direct to consumer type startup because you have to overcome the tax barrier essentially and get get people to sort of activate and pay for something that they sort of get for free from either their employer or the government. So um, I think a lot of like getting over that activation energy and, and sort of you have, realizing that you have to work more likely than not, at least for the next many years, within the context of hey, there's health insurance, there's big hospital systems. That's sort of the way the ecosystem is set up. And then, and then as Kareem's saying, it's about within that ecosystem changing some of the incentives for consumers along the way. Obviously, at Oscar, we're doing that in a particular way by building our own health insurance company. But there's a future to partnering with health insurance companies or partnering with health systems or whatever that, that I think can make for more interesting models to carve out. But I've that the ones I've seen are successful sort of assume that a couple of those macro building blocks will stay the same, but really innovate within that. I think you run. I think if you try to build it outside the system, one thing that you always have to reflect on, you know, do you run the risk of building a great product but not a great business because you can't fit in kind of the existing payment schemes or the incentive models that exist today? I think healthcare's infrastructure is extremely resilient, and the incentive structures can be rigid and misaligned in some ways where I think can be frustrating to feel as a company that you built a product that low, you know, that improves outcomes and lowers costs, but at the end of the day, isn't being massively adopted. And I think the flip side of that in healthcare, we've seen a lot, you know, a lot of great businesses that aren't necessarily the best products, mostly because they figured out this distribution incentive aspect of the system. Zooming out. So yeah, some people say that the, the, you know, our healthcare system is obviously has a lot of misalignment. Some people say that the root of that misalignment is that, you know, our, our companies pay for our healthcare and that it was sort of a historical accident, I think, following World War II. I'm not sure. I guess, can you artic- further articulate that, that argument? Cause I'm sort of saying it by hearsay and, and what's the counter to that? Or what are your thoughts on, on that framework in terms of why incentives are so misaligned? I think it's a really astute point where you're talking about how we can probably trace this back to the fact that we have employer based healthcare, which is different than most nations. And you're right, it was something after World War II, there was a, there was a wage freeze that was implemented mostly because of labor shortages that existed. 
And you have to think, and you have to think also in that time that there was actually really high corporate tax rates as well on kind of incremental revenue generated by these companies. And so what happened was for these companies to attract labor, they started competing on benefits and they almost viewed it as a free way to compete because that profitability was going to go to taxes probably anyways as well. And health insurance, one of the big things that have been set up is that it's actually tax deductible for employers. And so that was a small thing, it seemed like at the time, but now it's kind of evolved in the main way that most people basically get health insurance unless you're going to get it from the government. I think the challenges of an employer-based model is that it further adds more complications and lack of transparency to a model that's not necessarily already straightforward. And that the consumer really is never the one who's picking up their plan or the company they want to work with. But at the end of the day, for most insurance companies, the customer is the employer. And so one, they structure plans and they structure incentive in a way that, that works for employers. Two, the challenge is the employer has a very hard job of being the gatekeeper to think about the cost-benefit trade-off for the employee on kind of making these decisions. And it's very hard for them to communicate to employees if there was ever a trade-off on kind of, hey, maybe the robustness of your network or the amount of the coverage and helping them understand that in, in the context of the cost. It's further obfuscated by the fact that a lot of employees themselves don't appreciate potentially how much is actually going to healthcare. You know, the average premium for a family of four is $15,000 and, and people don't necessarily see that a lot of times because employers are paying those payments on the back end and, and they might just see their contribution, which might be a hundred or a couple hundred dollars per month and think that's the overall thing, but not feel the full sensitivity of that cost. And as a result, you know, have over time probably taken more and more income in the form of healthcare than they've really expected because from the employer standpoint, they have to obviously look into the all-in cost. And I think the interesting thing to kind of think about as well, you know, are employers doing a good job of of picking healthcare or purchasing healthcare on, on the behalf of employees? Is, and I'm sure Nick can comment on this as well as we're looking at the individual market versus which are the plans that individuals are going and selecting on their own. They actually look very different than the plans that employers are selecting and purchasing for their employees. In the individual market, we see a lot of narrow network plans with higher deductibles and lower premiums. We see consumers making trade-offs between saying, hey, I will, you know, I'll pay 30 to 40% less to maybe not have every hospital in my network, but only a few good ones. And I'm willing to maybe look only within those and, and, and make that sacrifice for the, for the, the cost trade-off. And we're not seeing those same decisions being made on the employer side. And I think one argument is to say, well, consumers aren't sophisticated enough and they're just making the wrong decision. And the employer has been making the right one uh, all along. But I think, from my perspective, I think consumers are more than capable to start making those decisions, especially when we have a few years of data now and we have repeat purchasing behaviors consistently moving towards those types of categories of plans. And so as as a broader thing, you know, this idea that employers, if we step back, are managing our health insurance and are the best people to kind of manage this expense now that that's becoming one of the largest expense items doesn't really make sense given that like what allows an employer to specialize and make the best decisions around that, especially because they have to kind of manage this one size fits all plan versus allowing for a space where it can be a bit more customized and people can make different selections and optimize. As we know, kind of specialized tools tend to be a lot more efficient than kind of general based tools. And so I'd love to see over time kind of the shift to happen and 
in the healthcare space with employers is similar to what we're seeing on kind of the the pension side where pensions were were basically employers taking full responsibility for for people's retirement and savings and and we've kind of moved from this defined benefit to defined contribution where now we have the 401k plan where employers are still a part of this experience but individuals at the end of the day are responsible for for making decisions around the retirement I know I think if we can move more towards a model where we've gone from defined benefit of coverage of healthcare to giving people resources to make those decisions I think we'll end up in a much better spot the reality is we haven't had the opportunity to to make that trade-off today because there hasn't really been an individual market and the, really the only way to do it on the employer side. With the ACA and, and plans like Oscar coming into the market, people actually have good options outside their employer. And so I don't know if it's politically feasible or something on the short-term horizon, but I think a model, if we kind of reimagined it from scratch, would probably be one where individuals have resources to make decisions versus employers kind of picking one-size-fits-all plans for for their employees. Yeah. So to sort of, I guess, echo a few of the points that, that Kareem said, I mean, at a high level for these weird post-World War II thing, plus a weird IRS legislation in the 70s around how they're going to treat the tax deductibility of, of healthcare benefits. And like, anyway, so we just ended up in the system where you get your insurance from your employer you get, and you, you, you pay for your healthcare via insurance and you get that insurance from your employer which is pretty silly. It, it turns, you know, and it's sort of like we have this great, I think, relatively efficient capitalist system where you get money and then you get to spend the money on whatever you want to in the world. It's sort of like if instead of your wages every week, your employer just gave you a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, vouchers to go to, I don't know, uh, International House of Pancakes. And you're like, well, that's fine. That's maybe of some value, but I didn't really want that. I would rather have the money. And so we have that basic problem. And then what's made even worse is that insurance, I mean, and, and we run a health insurance company, but it's really the worst way societally to pay for almost anything. Um, you can do, they do surveys of how much it costs to rebuild a house uh, after like flood insurance, after it's been flooded or, or a hurricane or whatever. And it always costs way more to build it the second time because the insurance company has written a blank check to pay for all, all of it. And so, and you basically get the same thing in healthcare, which is if you, if, you know, you have the phenomenon where if everybody goes out to dinner and it's a pooled check and everybody knows that they're not, they're only going to pay one hundredth of the entire check, everybody's going to order the most expensive thing on the menu and the most expensive bottle of wine that they can. So we basically have that dynamic in healthcare where, where you get this insurance, it's paid for you by your employer. And so you're like, you know, whatever, I will just charge as much as I can to this thing, even if it's not exactly what I would use my own money. And then as Kareem saying, you know, the, the other thing, because it's provided by your employer is, is that you have to have a health plan that works for literally every single person. And we can get into the sort of microstructures of the healthcare world, but that, that tends to be very inefficient. And so you have the inefficient doctors in with the efficient doctors, the inefficient hospitals in with the efficient hospitals, because you need a plan that works for every single person. So you have these very broad networks and that are very expensive, very inefficient, and they just don't work. And so, you know, I think the, a lot of the benefit of the ACA has been to create and, uh, as Krim's saying, create a market where people can, where we've actually proven out that, hey, this thing works, where you can let people give people money. People will then shop. They'll pick a plan that's right for them. Those plans look totally different. They're, 
look like half the cost of what most expensive employer plans look like. And so, you know, we'll see exactly how the legislative environment evolves. But at the very least, for the set of the market on individuals, I think we're more and more seeing a, you know, sort of some green shoots of more efficient, efficient care in, in those, those parts of the world. If, um, if you guys could wave a wand and change anything from a legislative perspective about how health insurance works or even how health care works more broadly, what are some, uh, like bullet point items that you might wish, wish to see change? Maybe, maybe Cream, you can start with you. Yeah. I, I go back to that point of, of moving from defined benefit to defined contribution. I think one thing that you would need there would be tax equivalence between these employer-based plans and individuals going and selecting from the market. Employers get this tax deduction benefit. Uh, individuals don't, at least making it tax equivalent to give people resources to go purchase plans, I think makes a lot of sense. And the reason why that would be my probably one, two, and three in some respects is it kind of comes back to this whole point of trying to fix the incentives and the market and the alignment. As we talked about and, and Nick mentioned as well, just this idea of, of a plans that work for everyone that exists doesn't allow for efficient markets. It also doesn't allow for competitive markets because what happens then is everyone has to have, you know, you kind of have a convergence of what all these plans need to look like and they end up having every doctor and, and there, there tends to be no differentiation between these insurance companies and, and then also from the provider standpoint, you know, they need to compete a little bit less to be involved in everyone's plan. And so I think the idea of creating a lot more customization uh, will create a bit more competition, but more opportunity, I think, for payers and providers to kind of stand out and, and deliver value to consumers. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would say the exact same thing. And it's uh, it, sort of ironically a relatively simple thing that I think could be done in the IRS wouldn't actually require vote of con- con- Congress is just to allow people to not pay taxes uh, when they buy their own health insurance so that employers could just give money to people and then they could buy their own plans, save money. It would be more efficient. I think going a step further than that would be to allow for any healthcare expense to be tax deductible or just, you know, tax everything one way or the other, just so that con- if consumers decide to go walk up to a hospital and buy their own healthcare, that they can do that with the same tax equivalency as if they got it from their employers or whatever, whether they buy insurance, don't buy insurance, whatever, all of that should be on the same tax equivalency. And, and that's actually, it doesn't require, you know, 60 votes in Congress. That's a pretty, that's a pretty simple thing that could get done. And again, if you had that, it would really arm the consumers to be much more informed and demanding and then put a lot more accountability on insurance companies and on hospitals and doctors to deliver a great, pro- a great product. And if they didn't, then they probably wouldn't, wouldn't be around very long. And so I, you know, these are, I think actually a relatively small thing that you could see happening that would, um, that would really change the country in a dramatic way. And, and it's not to say that there's not a lot of things that are inefficient today that you could change with different legislative action. I just think that we've seen the healthcare ecosystem adapt very quickly when one door gets shut or one inefficiency gets taken away because of a new rule or a new payment scheme, and they find ways to make profit in other ways or, or push the market in other ways. And I think that just really comes down to the, just the incentives aren't fully aligned or the market isn't fully competitive. And so until we fix that, I think we'll be treating the just the symptoms of, of the healthcare ecosystem versus actually the root cause. Are there any other things you'd like to see implemented so that we have a perfectly competitive or as close to a perfectly competitive market as possible? Um, the one I would add is, I mean, if we're, you know, there's what level of practicality and all these things, but 
I think there has to be a really in- intense look at the um, local monopolies getting created by certain health systems. Obviously, I'm working in insurance company, so I would have that view. But, but uh, you know, I I don't really don't think it serves our, our economy necessarily to have you know only one uh, in certain areas, really only one major hospital system that delivers all the care and employs all the doctors. It just, you know, we don't tend to not do that outside of utilities and to allow that. So it's just something, and, and obviously that's not in every case and there's different geographies and whatever, but it's something that I think can get on the edge of non-competitive as a result of, of the way that that's building up. Let's, um, let's move to a, a request for product section and, and maybe we start with you in terms of what are other opportunities in the, in the insurance space or for companies selling to payers more broadly that you you think are out there and you, you know, entrepreneurs listening to this should, should go think about pursuing. So I'll probably break it on the two parts. First is to say that there's obviously lots of opportunities for payers to be more efficient. And so I think uh, entrepreneurs looking in the space will have lots of problems to solve. Payers don't have updated provider networks. They have a tough time managing fraud, which is a huge problem. Obviously their claim systems are antiquated and don't give them kind of real time data t- to make decisions. Customer support really falls behind machine learning kind of internally to think about risk segmentation. Insurance very much follows a power law dynamic where 10% of your your patients account for over 50% of your costs. And sometimes you can have 1% of your patients account for 30% plus of your costs. And so I think better data and analytics to manage that. I think the challenge going back to kind of our earlier discussion of building great products versus good businesses is, is payers sometimes aren't always the best customers and you need to make sure to to really understand their perspectives and be aligned with kind of how their existing system works. And so one is making sure that it's an area of focus on of extreme urgency for the payer. Again, if, if you're not feeling a lot of competition, uh, this idea that I need to change today or in three years or in five years, otherwise I'm, I'm not going to be around, I don't think sits as, as strongly in their minds. And so it needs to be around things that are very urgent and, and are pressing in their mind. And I think two uh, also needs to have you need to be mindful of kind of what is the integration that's going to be involved in the process. I mean, they're built on monolithic systems. They have a, a lot of different teams that are that are working together, and so it's really hard for them to kind of redirect the ship, even if there's a better product available. And and so as I think about kind of when we say selling to payers, it can take lots of different forms. I think a lot of the opportunities that potentially exist are are things that maybe sit outside their core infrastructure but look more, much, much more like service providers that can kind of carve out an opportunity, allow payers to outsource that, allow you to own it a lot more and operate outside maybe their existing infrastructure. And, and so looking for opportunities that maybe aren't as integrated internally, but kind of outsource outside the system, which is maybe around the patient experience or customer experience, whether it's around certain engagement tools or, or helping them on the customer support side or on the benefit side and the EOB side, I think those are all things that you'll see opportunities kind of build things and experiences that, that make it better. I think things that work on the core infrastructure side, not to say that they won't exist. I think it just will fit in the kind of classic sales cycles that we know that can be really challenging. And obviously working on a startup time is, is something that's very precious to work against and, and healthcare sometimes isn't the friendliest industry to figure it out. I think the last thing is when I talk about outside service provider services, a lot of times that takes the form of being potentially a provider that that works with the payers and and so finding 
places that you can deliver value to payers, but also that they have an existing way to pay for your service. And so obviously, there's a reimbursement code that exists already. That's a great way to kind of fit into the ecosystem. Or if they have an existing model or vendor relationship that they work with, working on trying to substitute that out. I think a lot of times startups can come up with great products. And I think actually the payer will sit there and say, hey, this is actually would deliver a lot of value to us. And we have a lot of urgency around solving this problem. But you have to come up with a new incentive or revenue model to figure out. And I think that can you know, take six to 12 months just on its own. And so the more that you can fit in an existing budget item that they have today or a reimbursement code that they provide to the market around the service that, exi- that exists, uh, the better opportunity you'll have to kind of see short-term growth and make it as easy as possible for them to adopt. Zooming out more broadly, what are your requests for products in healthcare generally for all the entrepreneurs out there, technologists, builders who are looking to build something meaningful in the space? Where are areas you recommend they, they look or, or white space that you think is fresh out there? I think... We're continuing to be excited about full-stack models, tackling new categories, and, and I walked through a few in the beginning. I think one of the things that I'm still excited for entrepreneurs to spend a lot of time tackling is I think a lot of first wave of companies is thinking about how do we triage things out of the existing healthcare ecosystem and kind of build a layer around them. And I think that the next opportunity is really thinking about how do we reimagine care from within or the inside out, you know, still more than 30 to 40% of our costs are, are flowing through hospitals and we can slowly kind of shift more and more to outpatient and we know that trend is happening or new types of providers. But I think there's an opportunity to actually transform kind of actually how our care is delivered, uh, building new clinical models, building new digital therapeutics, things that are not just consumer experience layers or triage layers, but actually at the end of the day, influence the care that someone is receiving. And so I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to be built there. And, and it's something that we're excited to continue to explore. I think another thing is we are seeing a lot of new providers and, and, and companies being created in the healthcare ecosystem. And I think there are going to be needs for new tools to service them, You know, whether it's the new categories of, of digital therapeutics, if it's the new category of, of risk-based providers and clinics that we're seeing in the market. I think they're all going to need unique tools over time to deliver the customer experience, the efficiency that they want internally. And so I think that market is starting to reach a scale and 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 capacity where you could actually build a big business figuring out tools for them. I think the the model that exists today and, and kind of how it's being built is each one of these new providers or, or new healthcare companies are building all their tools internally. And we're seeing actually a lot of repetitive tools being built across all these new age providers that are being created. And I think there'll be an opportunity for people to specialize and build great infrastructure tools, whether that's new CRM tools for them or patient care tools or, or, or broader management tools and, 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 and things around billing and, and revenue collection. The one I would add, or, or the, I guess the area that's, I think, going to be big, but also is a personal interest to me, is the sort of the control of the doctors in the future. I think the economic model for being a traditional primary care doctor or orthopedist, et cetera, you know, the margins on that of being that person are going down and down. The salaries it's tougher and tougher, and 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 I think that's really it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that doctors are more or less looking into two different ways to evolve as a result. The the first is just getting purchased by hospital systems essentially going to work, um, getting essentially directing all of their 
referrals into a single hospital system, getting paid by that hospital system. Essentially, that allows them to make more money because they get an additional benefit for all of the hospital care that goes on from their patient um, de facto. And then the other, as Karim was saying, is more the value-based movement. And it almost goes the opposite way, which is how do I keep people out of the hospitals? And I think each doctor, you're seeing different doctor's offices go in different ways. Some are say, hey, listen, I'll just sell to a major hospital system and and I'll increase my revenues that way. And the other being, you know, I'm really going to go with insurance companies, cut value-based deals, keep people out of the hospital and make more money from the insurance companies by getting getting a share of the savings. And I, and I think all of those, the tools around how to educate providers on what's the right way to work. If you are going to go to value, how is my practice actually going to work? And then also, I I haven't seen, and, and frankly, this is something we're working on at Oscar, is the, what is the definition of good care? What should we actually pay somebody to do? What are the standards that actually that we as Oscar should pay a doctor double for? You know, And I don't think that's really anybody's taken a great data-driven approach to that and been able to actually influence the doctors and bridge the gaps so that they get paid more. So I think that's a fascinating ecosystem. I think to a certain degree, the, the, the future of, of the U.S. healthcare system will be defined by who actually controls the doctors in a thoughtful way. So I think there's a lot of interesting businesses in that, in that area as that, as that world gets more, more and more defined. Awesome. Guys, this has been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for coming on the Village Global Podcast. Of course. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst.